the Law of Equivalent Exchange. This is Tim in Tokyo with Patrick and Kumoto. Uh, what's going on? Well, I just finished uh, recording some videos because I'm starting a, a, a video channel just to talk about like old retro uh, Japanese comics and also like things like Japanese folklore, stuff like this. Uh, and I'm hoping that I can get some good crossover, like I can uh, introduce uh, more people to our podcast and also uh, of the people of our podcast who might be into that kind of thing. Maybe we can get some crossover. That would be cool. Mm -hmm. uh, but mostly I'm doing it for myself. It's uh, something that's kind of been brewing for a while. And uh, in fact, doing this podcast has been really good for me, like kind of getting... Uh, that kind of workflow going. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Hmm. Okay, that's good. Uh, so we are starting uh, Volume 5 here. Um, and as we mentioned last time, on I guess it was what the inside front flap of the Japanese edition. Um, it's just on a, on a page here in the English one, this bit of... Uh, Product name Fulminant Alchemist, ingredients alchemy, non genetically modified. Um, <laughs> and I like handling precautions. If any of it gets in your eyes, quickly purchase every volume of the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I reread that to myself today and I, I kind of gave, I kind of let out a chuckle. That's... Hmm. So, chapter 17, uh, The Boomtown of the Broken Down. In stark contrast to the varying moods of chapter 16 this is all one tableau and it's all kind of comic yeah yeah definitely like uh the tone has been shifted it's kind of like uh a little bit of body you know that uh the ginger between sushi bites to mm. cleanse the palate kind of mm -hmm. thing yeah, um, and so Boomtown of the Broken Down, this is Rush Valley, uh, the automail engineer's mecca, where uh, Al, Ed, and Winry have arrived. Uh, and we start out with uh, some other young woman and her boyfriend, and she's looking at jewelry in a shop window and saying, ooh, it's so pretty, and, and the guy is saying you know, that he could... He could buy this for her. And then we have a picture of Winry in the same pose with the sparkling eyes and the hands on her face saying, ooh, ooh, it's so pretty. We turn the page. She's looking at an automail arm <laughs> <laughs> well, I, in a shop window. I know. I love it. And and on that first page, the, the guy, the boyfriend, and the girl, uh, okay, they're both blonde. And I mean, so is Winry, but I mean, this is kind of significant. It's in the Japanese version, it's clear that this is a kind of caricature of of an American mm. couple here. Like, because uh, he's saying, sure, honey. He's, he's saying honey mm -hmm. in Japanese with a little heart mark at the end. And uh, whenever there's like a, a drama uh, you know, like a TV series or something where a guy talks like this. It's always somebody who is putting on airs, has mm. like, uh, has studied abroad and is bringing, <laughs> you know, it's always somebody who has this kind of, they might be Japanese, but they're trying really hard to show their cosmopolitanness or something. So, uh, yeah, it's it's just something that I, 
uh, I noticed. Mm, okay. I, I, I love the gag. <laughs> yes, yeah. Winry is attracted to very different things from the stereotypical girl. Now, there's a little bit of seriousness here in the beginning in that, uh, so someone, we can't quite see who, someone is saying after the Ishbelan Civil War, the prosthetics industry here exploded. It's no wonder this place is known as the boomtown of the broken down. It's also called the Automail Engineers Mecca. Um, so, you know, the, the reason this town exists the way it is is because of the Civil War and lots of people who lost arms and legs. First, since, since we're on the page with the title, I want to say that I, I love the English translation. Uh, there's actually nothing about being broken down in the, uh, in the Japanese title, but I, I love it. I I think it's, uh, it's got art to it. Hmm. What's the Japanese title? It's just like booming economy Valley, you know? Uh, and that's what (laughs) the word rush is supposed to, uh, be evoke gold Mm. rush, Mm -hmm. except it's, you know, missing limbs, which, you know, that those often get, you know, equated. Right? No? Hmm. Missing limbs and gold? Um, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Right, so they've arrived here, uh, of course, on the way to meet uh, Ed and Al's teacher, coming up in a later chapter, and they come across uh, this really strong guy who is arm-wrestling people, and he has two automail arms, um, and he's beating these other guys who also have automail arms, or at least they do when they first start arm wrestling him. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we see him, you know, just tear the automail off of this guy. And then there are all these vendors who were surrounding the fight. And whoever loses, then they start offering their services to the loser <laughs> with the damaged automail. I uh, love it. And, and they're <laughs> saying, like, uh, I'm still paying for that. And they're like, all the other uh, vendors are like, we do layaway, don't worry. Yeah, you he know, says, like, help me, I still have payments to make on this one. But they're all, yeah, let me give you an estimate. If you can't pay out of pocket, you can work it off. Monthly installments are okay, too. So, like, even though this is kind of a light moment, uh, and I'm looking again at the page before, uh, where there's uh, somebody sitting in front of a a... Uh, a mail shop and he also is missing a leg so it's you know it's not just vendors it's like people who use these parts also have gathered here and so i'm wondering you know did they end up living here because they're still working to pay off their expensive Mm, auto mm. mail or you know uh is that something that's going on behind the scenes that would make sense but i don't know if i would like I know when you get a new, when you get something new, like he's got, the guy got a new arm and he wants to test it out. Like, I know the feeling, but I mean, you know, test it out on lighter, (laughs) (laughs) not the big guy who's betting tons of money. Uh, I maybe watch a couple of times, watch him rip people's arms off a couple (laughs) of times before I, before I joined in. Yeah, so the arm wrestler has a helper who is recruiting uh, people to fight the guy. And he approaches uh, Al, but Al doesn't want to do it. 
Um, and he starts to talk to Ed. Well, but then how about this young man with the automail arm? But then he's saying, oh, a little sprout like you wouldn't offer any competition. What am I thinking? Are there any grown-ups who want to try? And so everybody's <laughs> laughing, but you can just see like the top half of Ed's head, and he's furious. Yeah, we 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 know as soon as he said, <laughs> as soon as he said sprout, uh-huh. you know, then we know that uh, it's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so then there's a slam as uh, Ed sits down at the table across from the arm wrestler. Um, and nobody expects him to be able to beat that guy. Um, and the crowd is looking forward to seeing him get his entire shoulder taken off. And Winry is saying, don't do this, Ed. You don't stand a chance. Uh, but when the fight starts, Ed, you know, creams the guy's automail arm. Kabam. Yeah, immediately. <laughs> immediately. <laughs> so everybody in the crowd is shocked at Ed's victory, and you see Winry and a bunch of sort of anonymous people behind her with wide eyes and their jaws dropping, but Al uh, does not seem surprised. I mean, that little puff next, is that a sigh? Yeah, that's a sigh. Yeah, Al is sighing. So what, you know, like, I figured, you know, I figured, oh, he's going to win just because Wendy knows her stuff but then at you know but right before the fight starts she says you can't win this and if she says it i'm like well shit what's gonna happen (laughs) you know so when he actually does win i'm just as surprised as Hmm. (laughs) as everybody else uh but when winry asks uh, asks uh, Al how did he do that he says he used alchemy to change his opponent's arm into a weaker substance and we see that when she was telling him you don't stand a chance he was clapping under the table uh, to activate his uh, alchemy so she's upset that he cheated but he felt like uh, the guy deserved it well because somebody called him short so (laughs) that's right that's right so the gloves are off. Um, but then everybody is noticing uh, Ed's automail because they, it's a style that they haven't seen before. And so a crowd gathers um, and they notice that his leg is also automail. And he's forced to take his pants off so they can look at the, the automail <laughs> leg. And he's pretty annoyed about that. Uh, But then when he puts his pants back on, he realizes that the silver watch that proves that he's a state alchemist is missing. That's right. Hmm. Uh, And when he's talking to some, I guess these are like automail makers nearby, they say, well, it sounds like the work of Panina. She's a pickpocket who targets tourists. So it's interesting they could name exactly the person... (laughs) Uh, I mean, it it helps the story move along. Like, we know exactly who did it. Yeah, it cuts right to the the chase. No other pickpocket operates in the same way. Okay. But I like how uh, they're like, just like the people in the crowd, yeah, we'll tell you if you show us your auto mail. (laughs) And he shows them the pointy edge (laughs) of his auto mail. And they're like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, she's in the West Alley. 
And we see her, and she is uh, kind of dark-skinned. It's hard to tell if she's, like, equivalent to a black person, um, perhaps. Um, but if you look back at the panels where he, the crowd was gathered around uh, Ed and Alan Winry and looking at Ed's automail, you can see her there. Really? Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, she's like poking her head out from behind a word balloon. It says intriguing. So you put the cylinder over here, uh, and you know there she is. She's kind of looking away from Ed, and her, you know, eyes are kind of rolled over to the side, and she's got kind of a smirk on her face. Oh, I see her. I see her. Oh, wow, that's great. <laughs> I love stuff like that. Yeah, nice attention to detail. And she's yeah, she's got that smile. I, I you know I always assumed that she was a person of color. Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, we don't really know. I mean, this is a completely different world, so we don't really know what, you know, where her people might be from. There is no Africa. There is no America. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it seems like the the same races that, that exist on Earth exist in this world, even though they've got completely different names and and national identities and what and so forth. I mean, it's probably... I don't know. I'm guessing it's probably more, uh, maybe a little bit clearer if uh, if this were in color and we were watching the the animation because uh, mm. I think animation is yeah it's even clearer. But what I what I like about this character is how she runs. Hmm. Yeah, she's like the the gag comics you know i mean well go ahead with explaining what's going on and then uh, (laughs) well i'll I'll point out what i'm talking about okay so uh yeah she goes to the pawn shop to try to sell the watch uh and the guy there is uh, had never seen something like that before and neither one of them can get it open um, and he, he notices the name Edward Elric engraved on it, but he's thinking, like, who is that? I've heard that name somewhere before. Uh, and then Ed walks in when she's talking about tr- wanting to try winding it, and he says, don't wind it. Don't open the lid either. Um, but uh, she gets away with, from him by tossing a vase at him, with her with her foot. So yeah. this is a this is a total Jackie Chan <laughs> Yumbyo, you know, Yumbyo or Yumpyo in Japanese uh kung fu move. And hmm. I kind of appreciated that. And so she takes off and then we're it's full on Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> so what I was going to say is that actually it's when he's chasing her across the long pipe and she's got her arms extended out mm-hmm. this is right from dr slump this is a rally chan you know, ah, like, yeah, this, yeah, this yeah. kind of running and uh, the even the facial expression with the with the the kind of puckered lips as if you know she's got got no care in the world uh mm-hmm. so that that's what i kind of i like that little <laughs> intertextual moment hmm, referring yeah. to uh, Toriyama and Dr. Slump was one of those comics. Like the first time I saw the animation, I was staying at a, uh, a Japanese family's house 
and it was on in the background. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, like the uh, the father was there with his nephew, and the wife and the daughter had are like away for the for the night, and I, I was spending the night. And I was like, his daughter's not here, but he's watching this kid's cartoon. And so I was like immediately looking at the art mm. and the like and the, the kind of humorous aspect. I thought, uh, you know, I've got no interest in this. This is for little kids. Uh, and so then the first time I came to Japan, uh, the host family that I stayed, uh, the, the house I stayed at, uh, the, the brother had the whole set of Dr. Slump comics. And I went, okay, whatever. And he was like, do you like Godzilla? And I was like, yeah, sure. And you like Ultraman? And I was like, yeah. He's like, you're going to like it. Believe me, you'll like it. And there's little Godzillas and Ultramans showing up to the thing. But it was quite ribald, you know? I mean, it was Mm. definitely not for little kids. Yeah, it wouldn't be considered that way in America anyway, but... Yeah, it seems like the uh, the standards are a little different in Japan. Well, I mean, one of my favorite episodes, just because it comments on a something that continues to be a thing in Japan, is uh, so Arale-chan is a girl, and so she's complaining because she doesn't have lady parts. And she's like, <laughs> she's telling the doctor, like, why don't I have any lady parts, the inventor guy? And uh, he kind of hems and haws, and then uh, he pulls out his uh, porn mag collection, and <laughs> all the parts are blacked out, you know, because it's it's illegal to show hmm. uh, vaginas and penises in Japanese media. They, they have to be, like, blurred or mosaiced, as they say, mm-hmm. and magazines are blacked out, right? And so he's like, I don't know what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love that moment because it was it's just so how sad he never had a relationship, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a real relationship where he would uh, have been able to understand uh, biological parts and also he's got no reference material. So mm-hmm. I just thought that was an interesting, uh, interesting moment. And then I knew that I, I had underestimated. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, mm. yeah, so did a lot of action going on. And uh, Al jumps in. Yeah, I mean, from this point, it's her. just it's a big chase scene uh, trying to, for Ed and Al both, trying to catch uh, Paninia um, and get the watch back. What we do have is like, you know, we, we do get to see uh, Ed and Al being creative, you know, like either strategically or trying, you know, to use alchemy in a, uh, creative ways to catch this very elusive thief. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's, you know, she's quite top notch, knows what he's doing. And uh, <laughs> of course, we have another dog show up uh, and when Ed jumps over the wall that he made, that she had already leaped, and he's like, ha-ha, I got you now, and she's sitting on top of the pole and grinning at him as he falls right towards this mean-looking bulldog. Yeah, it's a bulldog. It's straight out of a Looney Tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where's Sylvester? <laughs> yeah. And then the, the falling, the tears coming out of the eyes, it's just very, it's all played for laughs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know you kind of sometimes you kind of forget that Al 
knows a bit of alchemy as well. Yeah, I I had sort of that has sort of slipped my mind, and then he starts doing alchemy too. Like, oh, that's right. <laughs> so you know, like as a team, it's actually a good exercise for them, and you know they obviously need it because they couldn't catch her. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I was wondering just what this is doing here because I mean, it's it doesn't really, as far as we can tell, now. You know, I have to qualify that, but it doesn't feel like it has anything to do with the larger story. Well, you know, we've we've been tricked before. Like, when, mm -hmm. this is, you know, this is a side thing. This is a throwaway thing. This is just, you know, building up the, the yeah. entertainment value. And well, then later... <laughs> th th yeah, that's what every reader of Volume 1 says, including me. Like, this, this seems like, you know disconnected stories that don't have any effect on anything or not don't have any relationship to each other but it turned out that they kind of did so i mean i definitely feel like we're going to see more of uh paninia like i said it gives them a little bit of chance to uh work out and play with alchemy because we we haven't actually got to see him do creative alchemy in a mm -hmm. bit yeah, it, it has been a while, and uh, yeah, that we really get to see what he's capable of in this chapter. He's the grand old man of Marvel. Stan Lee was involved in the creation of some of the world's favorite comics characters, like Spider-Man, Iron Man, Thor, and the Hulk. But he didn't create them on his own. Artists like Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko were also instrumental in the creation of these characters, but many fans of the Marvel movies don't even know their names. Did Stan take too much credit by design? Or was he just given the credit because he's more media friendly? Millions of words have been written about Lee, both to praise him and disparage him. What are the books about Lee that you should read? On Deconstructing Comics, we're going to screen the books about Lee so you don't have to. Join us, True Believer, as we read as many books about Stan Lee as we can stand and compare them to each other. Find Deconstructing Comics in your favorite podcast app, Excelsior. One thing, the whole clapping under the table bit, for me, I felt, uh, and like being able to uh, transform someone's uh, prosthetic arm into different materials, uh, That's for me, that seemed like, oh, wow, that's quite a powerful thing. That's like when the Superman radio show, in, other, in order to get out of all the corners they would paint him in, they would just keep adding powers. <laughs> and so in the comic, the comic actually, even though the comic came first, it followed a lot of the steps of the radio show, mm -hmm. like the uh, Great Caesar's Ghost and uh, the F Fortress of Solitude and, and a lot of things like key Superman things came from the radio show. Well, and I think, I mean, originally he could only jump high. He could That's actually right. fly or initially, but I, isn't, isn't it because right. of the radio show that he became able to actually fly? It very likely, very likely. Like it just, they keep, they kept adding powers and making him so super that, you know, other writers were like, well, what do we do now? You know, <laughs> oh, kryptonite. Yeah. There we go. And yeah, magic. Kryptonite came, and magic. There you go. Came from the radio show. Mm -hmm. So that, that clapping underneath, I felt like, ooh, this is a Superman adding the powers <laughs> moment <laughs> for a second, I thought, you know. 
because uh, that would be quite useful, you know. Yeah. So eventually, yeah, Al uh, drops a cage on her with alchemy, and it seems like a mission accomplished. But then it turns out that she has two automail legs, and one of them has a big blade in it that can cut through the steel bars. Uh, and so she knocks out the bars, and the other leg has, she says, a 1.5-inch carbine in it, which I'm not quite sure what that is, but it seems like it's some kind of a gun. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 that is a good... I mean, I don't... If you asked me what a carbide is, I wouldn't know. I thought I would thought it's like a, an engine, like yeah. I thought it car, was part of a car, yeah. You know, but uh, but but then we see the explosion, <laughs> and yeah. we see Al's head pop off, which is yeah. I mean, it's all comedy. Yeah, we just yeah. see Ed's feet as he's knocked over, and yeah, Al's head flying off and his loincloth flying up. And so she's running away, and then Winry grabs her arm and says, I'm not letting you get away. Uh, and they're saying, Ed and Al are saying, good job, Winry, don't let go of that little, little thief. She says, of course, I won't let go of her, not until you let me get a good look at that automail up close, heart. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> and Ed and Al are both face-planted. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Al still didn't have his head on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, and that's the end of the chapter. <laughs> that's the end of the chapter. But what I I think what I like about this this town is that you know uh, all the people in it who are using prostheses, it's because they're all have similar uh, you know having to use prostheses are all in a similar situation. Um, like there's no prejudgment, there's no, you know, there's no surprise that somebody is so capable, mm. uh, and so physically agile, mm -hmm. you know, there's no, even though she doesn't have real legs, there's no, you know, there's none of that. So it's, it's very natural. So when it, it actually comes up that she does have two, uh, prosthetic legs, we're not like, oh my gosh, we're like, oh, cool. <laughs> well, I mean, it's to the point where the the automail is a superpower, not a handicap, right? But I mean, there is a phrase like I, I remember when I first flipped the page and then uh, you know was reading about a whole town built on the prosthetic industry and thinking, wow, it's sad that they need such a town. And then a character says. You know, it's sad that we need such a town. <laughs> and uh, and you're saying, did I write this? <laughs> <laughs> they read my mind. No, uh, the comic that can read your mind and then put that dialogue on the page. That's right. But it's, I would just, you know, think it's like this uh, kind of. It's a war-based economy in a way, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it's quite. The fact that people are successful and making lots of money, right? Because it's a the, it's a booming economy, right? Mm -hmm. Is I think is quite good. Like I have a friend who makes prosthetic uh, prosthetic limbs for skiing, and he keeps telling me it's a tough business. So you know, I always wish him all mm. the best. 
but it's, uh, you know, not always an easy business, but, uh, hey, all we need is a war with lots of bombs and mines and stuff <laughs> is, you know, is the progression, I suppose. Yeah. Um, forgot to mention, back on the third page of the story, as the three of them are coming into town, somebody sees Al and says, hey, a full body prosthetic. Somebody else says, amazing. And, you know, he's kind of right. Uh, that that's exactly what the suit of armor is because he doesn't true. have any body that so the whole body is replaced by this prosthetic body <laughs> yeah okay yeah it was actually i think i missed it in my first read through because it's uh there's a lot of like high contrast buildings in the background and i just kind of i think i missed it mm-hmm. on the way but now i see it yeah that's uh that is true. It's uh, it's a, as a prosthesis would be like an extension of your will, where you want to move it and it moves. Uh, yes, his armor is an extension. It's he's only he's pure will, right? He's like the Green Lantern. He's pure will, and uh, the armor is just an extension of his will. Mm-hmm. Do you think, let's just talk, you know, philosophically for a second. (laughs) I mean, do you think this would strengthen his will, you know, as like, if one day, if he gets back into a regular body, I mean, what will be the effect of the experience that he's had uh, controlling a big suit of armor for however long he does? Yeah, I don't know. It kind of seems like it would be like... When if when you swing three baseball bats and then put two of them down, uh, he might he might feel really light, waving those arms all over the place <laughs> as he walks. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, we don't know if he really feels the weight because there's no muscle. But it's like mm-hmm. uh, it's like the Jedi thing where Luke thinks it's heavy, you know, or it's hard to lift because it's big. And Yoda's like, size don't matter. Look at me. <laughs> we hope we hope Yoda's talking about his height. <laughs> we really do. Uh, but you know what I mean. I mean, it's. I'm just wondering, like, uh, as like will is the part of us, whether it's strong or weak, that really determines uh, how much control we have over our lives. It's not how muscle powerful we are. Right? So, Mm. uh, yeah, I'm just wondering, like, I mean, he's, of the two, he's got the more, the most self-control. Right? Of, Mm. I mean, of the two, he's, he's not as uh, reactive. Yeah. As, as Ed, right? He Uh takes a, he looks at things and then he, he channels emotions from previous experiences in order to give, like, pithy advice uh, and then sometimes he does let his emotions go, but it's not like this total lack of control. I mean, it builds up in him, right? Until he felt he had to punch that mirror or give him, tell his brother what he really thought, something that was he didn't want to talk about, but he finally explodes. But uh, mostly it's, yeah, keeping it inside. Uh, so... Mm-hmm. To find it. Hmm. 
Hmm. I was just noticing um, on the title page, the Rush Valley sign is held up by what appear to be automail arms. These two, their hands oh. on either side of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you when you said that before, I flipped back. I was just thinking it was like a bunch of like chopped off or removed arms from that arm wrestling contest. Mm-hmm. So it's no. a bunch of really sad arms piled no, up. No, no, it's, they're these it's big a, giant automail arms. Yeah, stylistic automail arms. Yeah, yeah, I didn't notice that either. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you could say that that should have been made more clearer so we didn't miss it the first time. Or you could say every time you reread this, there's always a chance you're going to discover something that yeah. you hadn't seen before because of the attention to detail and such. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know that Panini was in that crowd. Wow, I also just noticed a little lizard on this page. What? There's a lizard right here. <laughs> oh, I do see it. Bottom of the second page. Now, why does that remind me of something? <laughs> I really feel that there's a comic that used to have like a little lizard kind of hidden in the foreground or the background and would show up every once in a while. Hmm. Uh, if I ever think of it, it's going to be too late. It's going to be like, <laughs> we're going to be like on episode 157. And I'm going, oh, maybe yes, or something like that. It's going to be. Uh, if you're listening and you know what the heck I'm talking about, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, hmm. By the way, Tim, really excited that we're starting to uh, build our listening base uh, and that it's growing and people are starting to share and retweet and stuff it's 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 mm. always a good yeah feeling we that. are seeing some signs of life um that indicate there are people <laughs> listening to this podcast because <laughs> i thought i was just talking to you <laughs> <laughs> um by the way um so back in episode nine we had a guest uh alice jaggers who was, we were talking about uh, graphic medicine uh comics about health and we happened to have her on on the perfect chapter to talk about that uh, chapter nine and we've been trying to come up with some other guests uh ideally we'd like a guest who has some kind of specialty like alice did but also loves fullmetal alchemist um and it's like, not so like easy to find such guests uh <laughs> but uh, if you know of someone who would be good for you know who would fit that description uh please let us know uh, L-O-E-E podcast at deconstructingcomics.com. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess I mean, yeah, this this chapter is kind of light on story and heavy on uh, chase scene and, and comedy. Uh, so I don't know that we have much more to say about this. Well, let me just say that it was the perfect episode to read after I just showed Who Framed Roger Rabbit to my daughter for the first time. <laughs> And she was like, you know, do do all do all tunes have to respond to the shave and the haircut two bits gag? Do they really, <laughs> Dad? And I'm like, well, in this world, they do. <laughs> you know. Mm. Otherwise, otherwise, she's gonna say it happened in Gumball, and they didn't do it. They didn't <laughs> respond. What do you say to that? So I have to be very mm. careful. 
I'm going to have to watch that again. I, I, I saw Roger Rabbit in the theater when it came out, and I've never seen it again. I saw it in the theater, but I'd, I've seen it a couple times afterwards. But it, it, this really has been a long time mm-hmm. since I saw it. And uh, just, yeah, very enjoyable. Um, like always, I forget, like, is this character a good person or a bad person? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm always, I always get to be surprised. Uh, my wife thinks it's insane insane that i can't remember who the killer was after i finish a mystery five minutes after i close the book i've forgotten and so <laughs> i've read the same mystery several times and then about 93 percent in i go oh wait a minute <laughs> so i can i can enjoy the same things a couple times it's like it's a good mutant power to have hmm yeah i yeah, I think I mentioned it before, but every Agatha Christie I've read, I remember who the killer was, so <laughs> that's no good. <laughs> no good, Tim. I, you know. Have to start think, forgetting more. Got to get the, let that Alzheimer's kick, kick in so I can enjoy the same mysteries over again. Well, I think we can, you know, I think we can work something out with a hammer and some automail. <laughs> hmm. Okay. So that's chapter 17. Uh, and by the way, you know, I heard what the, uh, the law of equivalent exchange means. Can you tell me? It means, Tim, are you listening? Yeah. It means you get what you pay for. Oh, I see. Okay. All right, cool. Well, uh, I'll see you next time. See you next time. Our theme is Cryosyncope by Winterfiend. You can follow us on Twitter at L-O-E-E Podcast or email us at L-O-E-E Podcast at DeconstructingComics.com. Support our show on Patreon at Patreon.com slash DeconComics. See you in two weeks. The Law of Equivalent Exchange is a production of DeconstructingComics.com. Yeah, immediately. <laughs> immediately. Oh, uh, Tim, Tim, hmm. I just want to mention something. I I had forgotten to press record until just now. Okay. Well, that happened once before. Is that is that going to be okay? Um, or, or, mostly. Or do you want to do you want to start over? Uh, We're mm, still early in. Well, it's been almost ten minutes. Um, not i don't really want to go over it again Uh, okay okay i'm sorry (laughs) yeah no problem um okay i i when i said i was recording i assumed you were but i should have asked you i I, yeah i usually you know i don't know what happened yeah well you got your recording software set up so i thought yeah no no your your assumptions were normal and correct